All right, welcome back to another fantastic episode of Mindset Masters and Marketing, the number one podcast in America. We got a special guest on here today, my good friend, coach, mindset master himself. He teaches business owners, entrepreneurs, regular normal people, anybody that needs help and accountability on mindset mastery um, and anything of that nature. My friend Max is a, is, is a master in it. So he, we brought him on today because we want to share in his mindset and how he became a master of himself and how he takes what he learned in his journey in his life and shares that with the people he shares with today. So without further ado, Max, thank you so much for coming on, my good friend. Share a little bit about who you are and, and what you do to the people. Thanks, William, for having me on here. Uh, such an honor to be on here. Thank you for asking me to do this. Um, a little bit about myself. My name is Max Mace. I'm the biz, uh, CEO and founder of Fearless Happiness Coaching and Consulting. Um, I've been clean and sober for almost 19 years. Uh, I've been in the addiction field for 14 of those 18 years now. And what I do is uh, what I've created now is helping entrepreneurs, whether they're high performers, CEOs or executives who are struggling to not lose what they work so hard to build through accountability and mindset coaching, um, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's anxiety, depression, Whatever the case may be, whatever the challenge may be, I, sh- I teach them or help coach them through those tough times so that they can keep, you know, what they work so hard for and keep their families together. Yeah, th- that's a super important topic that a lot of people don't really, some people do, some people don't. It's kind of a gray area, right? Like you have to ask for help in, in, in some instances, but when it comes to your mindset and in business and in life, you got to get your mind right. So if you're out here, you know, if you've got certain things you're dealing with or you have substance abuse issues or things like that, it's good to be able to lean on people that have been through it and understand what you're going through uh, and to be able to provide actual advice. And that's what Max does. And that's why I brought him on. So Max, like talk a little bit about like your history, your journey in the beginning, like what made you become who you are today? Like help others, right? Like you said, you went through addiction. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we want to know like, you know, the, the nitty gritty, how to, how to get off where it is today. Right. Like, uh, all right. Well, I'm happy to share that. So I'll kind of go, I'll give you like a summary of what happened. So I always like to share that I went to a party at 13, right? Back in junior high, high school, like a lot of us guys like to experiment. And I didn't get home till I was 32. Um, so my addiction definitely got worse. I mean, I had it back in high school, if I look back, but you know, I didn't want to, I didn't acknowledge the red flags. And for instance, like, so I'm the kind of guy, right, you know, you, you play your football game and then you find out where the kegger parties are on the weekends, you know, the party shuts down. I'm the guy that's looking for anybody who wants to keep going. And a lot of the times I was all by myself, right? You would figure that would be a red flag. But, you know, so that partying carried on. I joined the Navy after my mom told me, basically, you're not going to come home, sleep all weekend and then continue it all over again. Right. Because I barely graduated high school. Um, but partying was a big big part of my high school days, especially my sophomore or my junior and senior year where I was introduced to cocaine. Right. So like that really put me out there where I wanted to find people who still wanted to go say three in the morning, everybody's going home. Right. I'm like, no, I'm just getting started. Um, You're not going home in the morning. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And then having that mother of mine, you know, like one day she woke me up, like she came in, you know, get up. She's, you could tell she's pissed. She's like, you're not doing this anymore. Well, she is married to my stepdad at the time. Yeah, yeah, same. But here. basically, 
but basically my brother and I were raised by a single mother, you know, my little brother and I'll get into that. Uh, but it was like, you know, him and I partied during high school, but we kind of did our own thing. He was two years younger. Uh, but like I said, she had that talk with me. She goes, you got three things you can do while you're in this house. It's either work, work full time, go to school full time or work part time and go to school part time. But you're not going to just sit here and, you know, sleep till two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And, you know, and that's where I made the decision to go join the military and, you know, join the Navy. Right. Because back in time, 1986, when I joined. Right. Um the commercial was, it's not just the job and it's an adventure, right? And then they always showed the whole fleet, you know, with like planes flying off the carriers um, and Top Gun came out, right? So I'm going to be a pilot. Like I'm telling them, I'm going to go be a pilot. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I joined the Navy, right? And, um, you know, it just started getting worse, right? And I did join the Navy because I did want, I figured if I joined the Navy and I get station like abroad whatever that i could get out of that frying pan per se right yeah so i go through boot camp in san diego i live here in california right so I, i'm from orange county california I, I go to boot camp i go down to san diego i get my orders for school which is in uh treasure island which is on the bay over there in san francisco i do 90 days of school there right and when i get there they're asking like hey we have this thing called the dream sheet fill it out can't promise you you'll get it but we want to see where you go, right? So I put Spain, I put Portugal, I put all these foreign ports, except the closest one was Hawaii, right? That's the closest one to the to the 49 other states that I wanted to get. And I actually put that last. And so the last day of school, I graduated. I actually did okay. Um, graduated in the top 5% of my class. I get my orders in. It's Long Beach, California, oh, which at the time at the time was 20 minutes from my house. So, you know, you're thinking, you're like, I'm like, okay, I'm going back into the frying pan. You know what I mean? Man. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I get stationed on the, uh, what they call a amphibious assault ship, which is an LHA, which is a ship right below a carrier. Instead of a plane, it carries a helos. And, you know, you think you arrived when you're 18 years old, right? And you're allowed to drink, you know, like I go, I get stationed on the ship and I'm going, the first day I'm going to my ship, I just happened to bump into a guy that, would, you know, was in the same shop as I was, right? And he had the, you know, those big green sea bags that you see the like military care yeah, yeah, yeah. for their clothes and stuff. Well, all I hear was clanging, like bottles in there. And I'm like, oh man, I know what's in there. So we get to the shop, right? And he's breaking out bottles of alcohol left and right. Yeah. I'm like, Right. Like I cool. I said, I, I, I have arrived. Right. I have arrived. Um, but that wasn't the case. Right. So I ended up fast forward a little bit. Right. I'm doing time on that ship. Um, I'm in my old neighborhood. And guess what? I'm partying with the same guys that I partied with before. So I get end up getting uh, popped on a test for cocaine because at that time in 1986 was the first year there was a zero tolerance for drugs. And what I mean by that is you could come off. Like, say you had the weekend off, you're coming back on ship. They'd always have two MPs with dog, drug sniffing dogs. And then they would direct you to the, you know, the head, like you're, it's your turn to be yeah, right away. Right. Yeah. Right. So I get popped on a test. And, you know, here's where I know things are starting to get bad. I lie to my mom, right? Hey, mom, we got this operation going on. I won't be coming home for 45 days. You know, I got to do extra duty. You know, instead of telling her the truth, I'm starting to lie, right? And 
Well, you know, I did okay through, you know, after that, I, I did okay. Cause what would happen is I would meet my future now ex-wife, right. And, um, start dating her and find out we're pregnant with our first child, my son. And so I quit everything. So I tell the guy, you know, I mean, except drinking, of course, but even then I mellowed out, right. Because I started towards the end of my Navy career, you know, the time I was getting ready to get out, what am I going to do with my life? And I wanted to be a fireman, right? So I became a volunteer fireman in the neighborhood I lived in for uh, Orange County Fire Department. And I did that. And then I went back to school. You know, my son was born. Matter of fact, the day I found out, here's how, like you, the day I found out my son was born, I quit smoking cold turkey. I had a brand new pack of Marlboro Reds and I threw them in the trash and I said, I'm done smoking. But I would pick it up eventually later. But, you know, I, I did not smoke the whole time I was married, um, you know, because I had kids, right? Three kids later. Um, and here's what happens. You know, when the marriage starts getting bad, right? Because I'm lying over stupid stuff. Like, like I'm, a, I'm working, you know, I'm paying the bills, but yet I'd come home because I would go with my friends. Like, after I got out of the service, I went to work for Xerox, right? I became a suit and tie guy. And uh, sometimes we'd go out for lunch, we'd go get a pitcher of beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I get home, you know, kiss the wife on the cheek, and she's like, You've been drinking on. Huh? I'm like, You know, you're tripping. You know what I mean? Like, I would, like, instead of just going, Yeah, I had a couple of beers with my buddies. I'd start lying, right? And then, of course, you know, not all my fault, but the marriage starts to fall apart, right? And that's where my addiction really takes off. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit because we could be here all day. So the marriage starts falling apart, right? I'm lying about little things. We start, we separate. We end up getting a divorce. You know, I have three children with her. I, I met this other girl. I have another son. So I have four kids total at this time. And my addiction is getting bad. Like the drinking is an every day, every night event. And then what really kicked it off was one day I get home from work, you know, and the only thing holding me together at that time, right? Because not having a, like say a father figure or someone to like help me navigate this divorce. You know what I mean? I just slowly start to just, depression is kicking in bad, right? So I'm self-medicating with alcohol. Well, at that time, my little brother, who I'll talk about here in a little bit, God rest his soul, just got done doing his first term in prison. Mm. And um, so I was living with my mom at the time, and she had this huge garage. I'm literally, you could park four cars, right? Two in the back. and Four cars. I said, I'm going to make a room because I didn't want to tell my friends I was living with my mom. I figured if I made a room in the garage, I could say I was living on my own, right? Even though she was living right there. You know, that was my rationalization. But as I was cleaning up that garage, I found so a bag of mat. Well, I found a needle and a spoon. And I knew what my brother was doing because he was acting really strange at the time. Right. You know what I mean? Up all night, um, which I would find out was meth. Right. So after I'm done building that room, what happened was I came home from work one day and I got that call. It was a message on my uh, mom's message machine. Call me at this number. Um, it's Susan. It's called me at two. It's a two zero two area code. And if anybody knows at that time, well, even now, California does not have a two zero two area code, you know. And, you know, when your heart just sinks, you know, it's not good. Right. So I, I ended up getting the courage to call her that night. I said, hey, it's Max. What's going on? And she says, hey, I took the kids and I moved to Nebraska and I'm not coming back. 
and talk about that's to me. I mean, there's other things, William, that happened in my life, but that was the one that where I just said, I'm done. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm checking out because now I don't even have my kids to keep me somewhat sane. If you know what I mean, you're a father, you're a new father. You know what I mean? You know what that feels like, right? Like those kids, yeah, I wouldn't even tell them. Yeah, man. Like once it's there, you think yeah. you can go without it? Yeah, right. Even when I go to like fly-ins or stuff like that, when I'm away for a little bit, you know, hell, I'm yeah. for five minutes. He's in the other room right now. I'm going you know, <laughs> to light me up as soon as I walk in there. Right. I mean, I'm with you on that. Yeah, you know, and it was those three kids at the time that were like the glue that held me together. And when that happened, I was just like, okay. So I knew what my brother was doing. So what I did one night, right? I knew he was coming over. So I had my room all made up, right? There was one door in, one door out. I had a bed, a couch, a coffee table, and a place for my TV and a dresser, right? And so I, I, I let him in. I locked the door. And on that coffee table, I put a bag of dope. I put that spoon almost like a food commercial where it's all nicely done up. You know what I mean? And, and um, I tell my brother, I said, you're going to teach me how to do that. No, you're not. Right. And I didn't tell him what happened. And we went back for two hours at least. And then I finally told him what my ex had done. And he still is like, I can't do. And I said, you either teach me. There's two ways you're leaving this room. You beat my ass or you teach me how to do it. But I don't think you're going to do the first one. So he ended up showing me how to do it. He ended up getting arrested again that night. And that was it. Now I had alcohol and meth. And it was on. You know what I mean? Like I could not do enough of each to kill that pain. And it only just made my addiction worse, right? So I went. It continued to get worse and worse. Nine months later, she calls me back and says, I'm moving back to Orange County. I'll be back. The kids want to see you. But you got to understand, like, in that nine months, my disease or my addiction progressed so bad that I probably dropped 30 pounds, you know what I mean, from the last time she saw me. But anyway, long story short, I borrow a friend's car and I go, I don't want to miss this meeting. Can I borrow your car? I'm going to go see my kids tomorrow. She's like, yeah, sure, go for it. So I take her car and I park in front of my ex's house. And it's a, it's summer and it's one of those hot summers, right? And so I put the seat back, I fall asleep, and I get woken up to a knock on the window. And I put the seat up, and I look over, and there's my ex-wife and my three kids standing there. And she's just shaking her head, like, in disbelief, like, like almost like she couldn't recognize who I was. Um, and, and here's what happened. So she ended up letting me stay the night th- that night with the kids, right, so I could spend time with them. But that would be the last time I saw my kids for nine years. My addiction would take off so bad that and the guilt and shame actually was what what you know kept fueling my use, right? Even though they lived in the same city as I did, I could literally be in the house next door, William, and I'd either wait till they went to sleep or I'd wait till they went to school and then I'd scurry on my way, you know. And all the while my addiction is getting worse and worse. And there's no for me, like hope is gone right like I have nothing for me to say I should quit um and it keeps getting worse and then you know I, at that time is when I had never been in trouble with the law before but it starts right like I'm getting tickets minor infractions that turn into failure to appear you know I'm getting misdemeanors for you no. know drug paraphernalia yeah it starts snowballing right and I finally get my first felony and only fel- felony and um 
it's just like, you know what I mean? I'm wreaking havoc. Like I'm, I'm not the son I should be. And I remember when I went to jail, right. I was in the city next door, which is known for its gang activity. I don't know about today, but it was like a line that, um, one side's Orange County, one side was LA County. On the LA County side, there was a big gang in that city. And I happened to get caught with a gang member, right? So the sheriff's pull up with the gang unit shirts on. Oh, and I was on the run from probation at that time because I had done nothing with the judge, you know, had told me to do. And I just remember as the sheriff was walking on my side, I looked out, you know, yelled out the window. I said, hey, I called the officer. I- I'm done. You need to take me in. I got a warrant. And I can remember the look on his face through the rear view, you know, on the side mirror, like, what did he just say? You know what I mean? So they pulled the guy out. He's a gang member. They start talking to him, right? The other sheriff. They let him walk home and they end up taking me in. And, but I told him, I said, yeah, I got a warrant. I've been up scounding. And he goes, wow, since you're honest, I'll let your mom come get the car. And I said, yeah, you better because that lady, you might as well send me straight to prison because that lady's <laughs> going to kill me, you know? Because I had no license, nothing at the time. And everything I owned was in the trunk at that time of her car Mm -hmm. so so they let her come get it right and that would start my journey as i like to say into recovery even though i had no idea what that looked like at that time i did five days in la county orange county came and picked me up and here's where the mindset starts right well actually i'll give you a story from jail that happened right so i'm sitting with my bunkie right and we're having this discussion and i'm totally into the poor me's like poor me poor me and I mean, I hope it's okay to cuss, but I want to give yeah. the audience like, like what it was like at that moment. Right. And, and my, my bunkie's like listening, like, okay, okay. Right. Cause I used to have this picture of my kids, right. That they took with Santa Claus when they were little. Mm-hmm. And every time I was running the streets, I always left it with this lady and she called it babysitting my kids. So oh my she God. always made sure she had it when I got done doing whatever I was doing. So I was telling this guy, I said, yeah, man, I go, look. I go, I love my kids so much, blah, blah, blah. I was giving him the whole sob story. And then he let me finish. And he goes, hey, homie, if you love your kids so much, what the fuck are you doing here? And that was one of those moments, like, you're just going, well, why? But, you know, first, foremost, I jump up like, you just disrespected me, bro. We're about to go throw down, right? But what happened is it hit me like right in the heart. I go, he's absolutely correct. Like, what am I doing here? If I love my kids so much, I'm letting a lady babysit my kids picture when I should be a part of their lives. Right. But like I said, I didn't know anything. And I I thought we were going to throw it. I just looked at him and I said, you're right, bro. You're absolutely right. And he gave me a hug. He goes, get out and get right. So that started my journey. I was about a weekend, you know, when, when that started a week or two and my mom came to visit. So she picks up the phone from across the glass. I pick up the phone and before I could say anything, she looks at me and she says, I love you son, but you're no longer welcome at my home. If I see you near my house, I'm going to call the police. If my neighbors see you and I'm not home, they're going to call the police. What are you going to do? And then at that time I came up with the best answer I could ever think of. And that was, I don't know. Right. Cause I had given her so many empty promises at that time. Right. And this is where I think the mindset started to change for me because I really didn't know what I was going to do. Right. Like I knew my life had to change. I was 30 something years old. Right. And I'm like, like, what am I doing? You know, I'm sitting in jail doing these things. I've done all these things that I swore I would never do. You know, and here I sit looking at three years in prison. Right. 
So I go through that whole process with the courts, right? And the judge is not happy with me because I've done nothing he's asked. So he's like, he tells me, he's like, you're not leaving my jail, right? You've done nothing I've asked. So the only way you leave is I find you a place or you're going to prison. Those are your only two choices. So like, I'm scrambling, right? You know, and there's always these jailhouse lawyers trying to figure out like, hey, if you do this, bro, you can do that, you know, and then. It's funny though, how like when you're up against it, how you were trying to figure it out though, right? Like. Oh yeah, I was trying to figure it out. Bottom, right? When you're all the doors are closed on you, when you when your kids were gone, that's when you woke up, right? For the people that are listening, you don't have to hit bottom for that to happen. Take it from him, take it from me too. Uh, the same shit happened for me. Like you don't know until you fucking hit it, and you're like, because yeah. listen, like when you're doing the drugs and you're doing the shit and you're partying, people tell you that shit all the time. Like, oh, if you want to get sober, just get sober. What, what's what's the problem? Just stop getting high. Or if, if you care about your family so much, go be with your kids. Well, I am with right. my kids. Well, no, you're not. Like, you're not present with your children. Exactly. Right? So, And then it wasn't until all that shit hit the fan until your mindset said, you know what? It's time. Same thing right. triggered me a little bit, too. Like, when it came to, like, finding the right type of relationship. And, like, you get to a point in your life where it's like, okay, you know, you can be party. How, how long are we going to fucking do this partying shit for? Like just going out and doing, doing this, you know, just living the bachelor life, I call it. Right. Like right. whatever, you know what I'm saying? Living. Yeah. We're making money. Everything is gravy. But the whole point of this is the legacy, right? Like that's the whole reason why we started this. So I think we're, we're all looking the wrong places, right? You have to, you have to go back and, 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 and look at yourself, but talk a little bit about like, so that turn happened, right? You're sitting in prison, jail, whatever it is, right? You're bunky out of all people. Yeah. You know, Throw some wisdom at me, you know what I mean? You. And you're like, you know what? You might be right. And it might have been because you were probably sober and you're like, yeah, makes sense. But it's really the com- it's the, the stupidest, uh, I mean, common sense shit, right? Like, that's what I was thinking the whole time you're telling me about all this stuff about your kids. And I'm thinking, damn, this is a lot of things you're telling me. And like, when does it turn? And when does it turn for you where you say, okay, well, I'm going to stop getting high. I'm going to stop doing these things. Right. Um, right. But yeah, tough, tough love, man. It's a wonderful thing. Isn't it? Like, I love my mom for that. God rest her soul. Right. There's time, but you know, when you're in it, you're like, yeah, you suck. Like, how could you do that to me? Right. But here's what happened. Right. When I made the decision to just follow whatever the judge, right. Cause I would find out later that, he rarely gave second chances. So like as a counselor, right. And I'm, I'm going back to the courts with a client because I'm doing a progress report. A, a, a lawyer would go, you had judge what, who, and he gave you a third chance. And I go, yeah, that's why I'm here. Right. Like sober. And I actually got to thank that judge at three years sober. He didn't remember me, but you know what? I got to go in front of the courts and I go, your honor, you didn't, you won't remember me. But three years ago at the time, I go, you three years ago, you gave me a third chance. And I said, I ran with it. I said, if my kids were here, they would run up to the bench and they would give you a hug for giving their daddy back. Right. And you could hear a pin drop in that court. Like I still get goosebumps, like how silent it got. Right. And then one time, like I said, I was doing a progress report and the judge, you know, found out from the, the client's attorney, like that I went through, it was the same court I went through all those years ago. It was like I was 11 years sober and she brought me up. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, can you step up to the podium? Right. So she tells tells me to turn around and she's like, look, 
if this gentleman can do it, you all can do it, right? He's got 11 years sober. And, she, and I turned around, she goes, I'm very proud of you for changing your life, right? But it wasn't always that way. It was, right? I had to learn those lessons. Like well, I would- It takes time. It took time, right? My first year took, sober. Took, yeah, I mean, how long did it take you? And I speak for a lot of people, not just you. I'm saying me too. Like how long did it take for us to get addicted, right? It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. We weren't addicted to drugs in one night. It took years and years and years of usage. Well, it takes a lifetime of staying sober. And I heard that from somebody one time. It's like, it's a lifetime journey staying sober, right? Like it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like you would say, yeah, I believe it. Right. I believe it's 11 years. Like I still drink alcohol and shit. I don't get crazy with the hard shit no more, but like, you know, I mean, I still have a little bit of issue with the, with the, with the alcohol in my opinion. I think like it's a lot, I drink a lot more now than I'd ever done, but I think a lot has to do with, you know, entrepreneurship and business and, and, you know, being around networking groups, you know how it goes, but like, I think that's also just in a fucking excuse that I'm making. Right. So like, you know, that's my inner self telling me, shut the fuck up. That's your addiction. Right. Like just, you, you just like to drink the alcohol. Shut up, dude. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. like, how do, you, how do you tweak that in your mind? Right. Like for the, so, people- well, I, yeah, well, here's what happened to me. Right. So I got sent to a place, which was like a sober living slash treatment center. And I got sentenced there for a year. Right. And with the threat, if I slipped up, one millimeter you're going to prison well i slipped up four times there right and what what happened for me the mindset that happened right i did the as i said i did the research again and i proved to myself that i cannot have one drink right that it leads to whatever like i have that addictive personality where like one beer is not enough oh wait one beer is too much and a thousand is not enough right and I proved that to myself, right? I tried to do it on my own. I tried to, you know, and I had these four relapses and I was finally done. And I told myself I had this talk with, you know, my higher power, which I call God. And I'm like, you keep me sober. I will do it, whatever it takes, right? So, and there's different thoughts on addiction, right? Some people say once an addict, always an addict. Once, you know, once you get recovered, you're, you're done, right? But my, I proved to myself that if I don't continue to do the work, that I'll slip back right into old ways, old behaviors. Yeah. And I mean, the mindset, and, um, so you got to continue to improve it, right? Like if you right. start now, you stop working that muscle, that mindset's going to get weak. You're going to start letting the old shit back in. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like the network we hang around, right. We always talk about being the best and most elite version of ourselves, right. And always doing the work. So that's where my recovery and, and my entrepreneurship parallel each other. Right. So if I don't, do the things I need to do for my business. It's just going to go away. Right. I'm not going to get any clients. You know, you and I will have this conversation again. Hey, Hey, William, man, you know, it really sucks out there. And you're going to ask me, well, what were you doing? And I go, well, nothing. You're going to be like, well, no wonder. Right. Like, but you know, however you find your recovery, when it comes to this, like I'm a supporter of whatever you do, right. You just have to do it. And that's where mindset and accountability come in. Right. So I surrounded myself with guys that had a lot of time, right, that were walking the walk and talking the talk. So like, for instance, I watched guys that went through, say, like a really bad illness that almost killed them. Right. And had every excuse to go, well, maybe a drink or, or, you know, the drugs from the doctor will help me feel better. And then I watched them stick to their guns, you know, and then the guys around them surrounded them and just said, like, hey, we got you. Right. So that's where the accountability. So where my mindset started to change is like, I don't have to do this alone. Right. Because we know as men, right. Like where we grew up, however, our families, we 
most people know, like men are taught to, you know, they fall, they, they brush themselves off and they suck it up. Right. We don't wear our emotions on our sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't talk about what's hurting us or whatever. Right. But see, I hung around dudes. They were badasses, right? A lot of them did prison time. And they showed me through their example that it's okay to be vulnerable, right? It's okay to reach out for help when you need it, right? So that's where it started to shift for me. And plus, I was done. Like, it, my last relapse was a one-day use. And I was like, ah, man, I felt like I'd been out there for 30 years again. I'm like, I'm done. So what I started to do is follow those suggestions that guys gave me, right? You're struggling, pick up the phone call someone, right? You call someone until someone answers, right? Because what I used to do, I'd get two like voicemails and I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to waste my time. No one wants it. You know, we start to get that negative talk. No one wants to talk to me, right? So I just started and I started doing the work because what helped me stay sober was going to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We kind of talked about it earlier and working those 12 steps. So now not only do I have a different mindset, I have some principles I can live by. Right. Like we talk about our values that we don't negotiate on those values. Right. We we stick to them. And that's what has helped me change my mindset. And, you know, instead of telling you a bunch of war stories, I can tell you the stuff that I've shared with you before that has happened in my recovery. Right. Like six years ago, uh, three days after I would turn 13 years sober, I would lose my sister to Parkinson's disease. Right. Eight months later to the day, my brother would take his own life and lose his battle to addiction. Six months to the day on Thanksgiving day, my mom would die of a broken heart, literally. And then that following Monday, I put my daughter in treatment for the first time, right? And then as recent as three years ago, I would lose a granddaughter to skids and mitochondrial disease and talk about that. And then a week later, my oldest son would almost die of a massive stroke because of his addiction and almost lose his life, right? So- I had a conversation with someone we both know, right, one day, and he's like, well, do you think you're attracting this stuff, you know, like the law of attraction? And at first I got offended, right? And I'm like, like, why would I want to attract this shit? You know what I mean? But then I thought about it and I told him the other day, I said, I think you're absolutely right. I said, whatever the force, the universe, the law, you know, law of attraction, God, whatever you want to call it knows I'm strong enough to get through it. So I am attracting it that way I get through it and I can show other people how to do it mm. right? without hurting themselves by picking up a drink or a drug or what we were saying on the last podcast, turn your liabilities into assets. You could have easily said all those things that you went through are reasons to go hit that pipe and go, you know, do whatever, go drink it more drink, but you've, Absolutely. you've seen it as a, a way of learning and being able to give back. That's the mindset flip everybody. Yeah. That's the switch. Yeah. And then exactly the reason why God puts things in front of us is because he knows he can, we can handle it. He wouldn't put it in front of us if we didn't think we can handle it. The, what, the go, difference go. between people that handle it and people that handle it, you handle it. Like you either going to handle it or, or someone else is going to fucking do it for you. And you don't want that. Like, or, or some outside force of, you know, you're going to basically get left with the force of average. Right. 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 And that goes back to what we learned in our network. Right. It's like I have to lead by example. So if my kids are watching their dad crumble every time something bad happens, like what are they going to I'm thinking to myself, what are they going to think of me? Right. I'm dad. Right. But I've also showed them the vulnerable side. Like when I take a chip and they come watch me take a chip for my you know yearly birthday, I cry like a baby. Mm-hmm. Right. But those are tears of gratitude. But you're right. That was the mindset 
mindset shift for me when I went through that stuff. And I started having those conversations, you know, like, okay, I get why you're doing this, right? Like you and I know in business, okay, we fail, right? But we're taught, get back up. What did you learn from that experience so that you can make it better the next time, right? So like I've made it, you know, like, I don't know if you saw my post the other day, I lost a a dear friend, right? 34 years old, right? The day, and then an hour later, I'd find out my, you know, my youngest daughter would call me and says, I'm going back to detox yet. I can't live like this anymore. Right. She's doing good now. But, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay. You know, I've been put in this position to show people like, like a good, the client I'm working with when he's going through stuff, he'll ask me what I did. And I said, well, this is what I did with my daughter. Right. Like I had to step away from my son for two months before he had that stroke because he was, you know, he wasn't doing the things that were, I had found him a scholarship. It's a long story, but he had the nerve to cuss me and my wife out for just trying to get his information so we could buy him a ticket to the scholarship so he could get better, mm. you know? And, and if like you do that to me or anyone I care about, you start cussing me out. I'm going to be like, Hey, well, did you hear this click? Yeah. You know, and then I'll start blocking you. And that's my way of saying, fuck yourself until you get right. And you can apologize. I'm not even going to deal with you. Right. I learned that from my mom. Tough love. Like you said, tough love sucks. But it's a blessing in disguise too. Talk about but like, like you got out of like when you got out though, like when you you know you're in, you you went through all that shit, dude. You hit the fan. You got the tough love. You got smacked in the face. It's easy to take the punch, right? But like, how do you how do you get up, get out, and start executing? Like, like because in the past you were just you wouldn't do shit. The court told you. So I'm sure when you got out, you probably still had some shit to handle. Like it wasn't as simple as you know have a nice day. Like. We'll see you later. Like, no, like most people repeat that shit. They go back. Like, how do you get out of that? Right. Not only that, but how do you go on to, to share and, and teach others? Like, that's the key, right? Like, how did you how did you do that? Well, what happened for me right after that last relapse, right? To go back a little bit, I'll go back just a quick. So when I was sober, I was almost, let's say I was 10 months sober, right? And at six months, those kids I told you I hadn't seen in nine years. Mm-hmm. I was starting to see every weekend, right? Like life was getting good. Like God was saying to me, here's for all your hard work, here you go. Right. And then I the got small things you started doing. The good things started coming back into your life. Yeah. The big small time, things, right. Which were triggering the mind to increase it and want more of that. Right. You're attacking the dopamine. Right. Right. But then here's the opposite of that, though. Right. Then you get comfortable. Like I must be doing OK. So I don't need to keep my gas. As they say, I don't need to keep my foot on the gas. Right. Instead, I let up and go, oh, I got this. Right. And I'm sure you've had that like where, you know, where you go, I got this. And then something happens and you go to yourself. Well, shit. Yeah, I didn't so you get right? A couple of times you're like, wait a second. Complacency, <laughs> motherfucker. You don't want to be complacent. Yeah. So like, yeah, you learn that quickly. But like complacency is a big problem. A lot of people, they get, they get a win and they sleep on the win. And then they wake up to a loss tomorrow, right? Like that happens a lot. Exactly. Right. And I had got, gotten those wins, right? So like I said, I was seeing those kids. I was six months. So here's what the slap in the face was, right? So I let up, right? Seeing the kids every weekend with my brother, blah, blah, blah. And then I relapsed that first time. So then four relapses total, five months has gone by and I haven't talked to those kids. Right. So here's the wake up call. So when I was 30 days sober, I called the ex-wife and I said, hey, I apologize. I relapsed. And before I could finish, 
dude, she laid into me. Here was the wake up call. F you, fuck you. You did it to the kids again. You did it to me again. You will never see these kids as long as I live. Boom, slammed down the phone. And I was like, fuck. Right? I could have went one of two ways. I could have went backwards and said, oh, F it. Now I can't see my kids anymore. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to go par. It's party time. And I'm going to party like it's 1999, right? But here's with hanging out with those guys that I told you about. It's like, okay, here's a learning lesson. Yes, I made the mistake. I need to own it. Time to get back up. Do the hard work and maintain that work, right? So I did some things my sponsor told me to do was like call her every week, tell her I was sober, um, that I was working. And if she called me names, I said, you're right, hang up. I did that for 14 months straight until it was two days before Thanksgiving one year. She says, hey, I'm back in Orange County. I might, my parents don't be late. That was 18 years ago, right? I showed up, I wasn't late. That following Christmas, I got to make my amends. And see, this is those work that I was doing would help me in our business, like what I do in my business, right? Or what I do for my passion. And um, I've been a part of those kids' life for like almost 19 years now, mm-hmm. right? And like I, you know, I got to go to a meeting with my daughter and my son on Saturday, which is, you know, to me is amazing, right? But it's like you said, what I had to do is I had to tell myself, okay, what did you learn from these mistakes so that I don't go backwards? And what can I do better next time? So it was planted in my brain by my sponsor and my mentors, right? That, and I think you've heard it too. And I heard this long ago. It's like, I got to be 1% better than I was the day before, mm-hmm. right? Not, it's not 1% shittier so that my brain can tell me, well, you ain't going anywhere. You might as well go do what you were doing that you're good at, right? And I had no idea that it would lead me down this journey, but I just kept telling myself, okay, that hurt. What did I learn? Right. Okay. Instead of going left, I'm going to go right next time. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of doing this by myself, I'm going to call William and go, Hey, William, I need your advice on something. What can you do? You know, what, sh- or what should I do? Right. And listen to the guys and, you know, and the ladies that have come before me. Right. And then, you know, here it is. It's led me down this path of, of, personal development, right? Hanging around guys like yourself and and our network where I really get to pick brains, right? But the most important thing is all this stuff I'm learning for me is still, how can I help the person that's putting their hand out to me that needs that help? How can I instill what I've learned and coach them or teach them so that they can get back on track and do the things that they love doing? And that's why I'm right. the podcast, right? Because, you know, I had the similar upbringing, right? I didn't have the father to show me that shit. And I'm sure people that are listening probably have similar backgrounds, right? I should have been a statistic if we followed statistics. But I stopped following that shit. I remember 17, I remember thinking about statistics when they started telling me, oh, you'll never graduate, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I started, you know, hearing the noise, but I never bought into it, right? But at the same time, it was a product of my environment. So as you grow up, you don't have to become who you essentially what you're born into just because, you know, you live or you you're breathing a certain way or you hang out with a certain amount of people right now and you've done it for years doesn't mean you have to stay that way. What I found is when I hit rock bottom, none of those motherfuckers were around. Nobody cared about you no more, even Mm. family that I'm selling the drugs to like nobody cares. Right. Like so it's like 
everybody's your friend until they're not right so i think that has a lot to do with your shift too as you started getting around better people yeah attracting better law of attraction is the most powerful thing that you can do and it starts in your mindset what you think about here is what you're going to attract and that's why we talk a lot about mindset mastery is because it starts here right and and let's talk a little bit about like it's easy for like you know us to talk about hardship but there's a lot of people that are super successful. They have they have a family, have a great family, have money in the bank. They not have nothing to fucking worry about, but they still have underlying issues and conditions, substance abuse problems, things that you know maybe they have a family on the on the on the outside looks good, but at home it's not. Like how do you like how do you help people like that? They don't really have a problem except for it's more of a, like a internal issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you get what I'm saying with that? Like, right. It's easy for us to, to give advice to somebody that obviously has room to grow, but like, it's hard for me to word this, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, absolutely. Like, how do you tell someone they need to change when they got everything? Right. Like, right. It, it's like, Oh, my drinking's not bothering anything. Everything's gravy. We're good. But really it is. It's affecting right. your health, your relationship with your family. It's, it's, it's essentially preventing you from potentially creating other uh, relationships with other people outside of, you know, your norm. Right. And, but right. you see this and explain that a little bit, how you tap into that with people and you know, how you deal with it. Right. Like, because that's, that's important to, to know. Yeah. Whether I'm in the treatment setting or I'm coaching a client, here's the thing I tell them, I go, and I, I believe it catches their attention because there's always that silence for a minute because they're, for a minute, because they're thinking about it, right? I said, if your life is so good, then why are we sitting here talking about it right now? Mm-hmm. Your best thinking got you here to this moment right now. And they think, like, what? what do you mean? I go, well, think about it, right? Like one of my clients, they, you know, they came straight out of treatment, called me up. I said, well, if, if it wasn't so bad, why did you need to go to treatment? You know what I mean? Or I've had clients where I'm like, dude, you died on the table three times. Tell me where that is a good thing, right? You just shared with me, I'll tell them, you just shared with me that they had to bring you back three times, three shots of Narcan, and you barely made it back. How is that a good thing? You know what I mean? Like, tell me where that thinking right now is, you know, and they're like, okay, you're right. I said, if, if everything was fine, how come you can't go to your, like, I'm just using a client from treatment, right? Like, how could, if everything's fine, why won't your parents let you back? Not even to visit. Like, my mom, after my last year, I had to get a year before I could come back and visit her, right? Because yeah. she was that, she was that scared, right? So, you know, I try to hit them, and I'll be honest, I hit them with the heartstrings, right? Because I want them to think about, Right. Because a lot of the times they're like feeling better, like, OK, things aren't that bad. Right. I'm sitting here in my house. We're having this conversation. It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, you just about lost this all. You just told me that like this was about to crumble. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Your your relationship with your children's bad or your, your relationship with your wife is not good. She's ready to divorce you. But everything's great. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give them a little background, like, here's where I came from, right? This is what I've gone through. Um, like, tell me where your story is a little different. 
And most of the time they just go, it's not. Maybe I haven't lost a brother, but I'm about to, you know, because I'm going to die. I always tell them, like it was taught to me, I go, you're committing suicide on the installment plan every time you stick that drink and that drug in your system. Mm-hmm. One day it's going to work. And that's what really gets them sometimes. And I go, but you can change that, right? You can change that. And there's some work to be done. How, for example, like if a guy asks me to sponsor him or even coach him, I'll ask him, do you think you have a problem? I ask him two questions. That's all it takes me to know if they're ready or not. If they say yes to the first one, then I'll ask the second. But here's the caveat to that. Like I'll ask him, okay, are you willing to go to any lengths to solve this problem, to get over this? And if they hesitate or they think, and I'm like, well, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Because most of the time, you know, a guy or or whoever's ready, they're going to go, I'll do whatever it takes whatever that's how i was and i that's i know a lot of my friends were that way right there's seven of us back when i was at that sober living that are still sober with double digit time because we all told each other like we're done man like this all of us had chances to go back to prison on our you know but now we're all double digit sobriety and we're all still talk and we still ask each other that question would you go back hell no i'll call you before that happens you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And, and working with a client, I just tell them, you know, you got to get rid of, I hate, I call it stinking thinking. So, right. Cause you know, it. there's people that are at high levels that still do not think very well of themselves. They're just very driven to yourself, prove everybody. Yeah. Self-sabotaging. Yep. So I ask them, what are you willing to do to get rid of that stinking thinking? Right. I'll do whatever. Cause I'm getting, it's getting old. Right. But I just try to hit them at the heartstrings, which, you know, because that's where they're going to give me the real answer where I'm really digging and trying to get them to talk to themselves like, yeah, this is getting old. I'm going to lose my business. I work so hard for if I don't change this. Yeah. Right. My wife's going to walk out the door with the kids. I'm going to lose the house. I've seen that happen. You know, it's happened a, a lot. A lot. There's a lot of DUIs, guys, too. So stop drinking. <laughs> I was in court for like a little traffic ticket. I, I didn't have a lawyer. I had to sit, sit through like all the cases and I don't know how many DUIs <laughs> there. It was crazy. Yeah. It's not cheap, folks. <laughs> no, no. Nowadays, you'll spend first DUI. You're going to spend at least 30 grand, you know, on lawyers and fees and court costs and, you're, and they're going to get you. And that's if you even keep your job. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So it's not worth it, guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a choice. You got to choose to do whatever it is in your life, whether it's be sober, build a business, build a family, have a long lasting relationship with your wife or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right. Health, you got to make that commitment and you got to do it and you got to want it and you got to be persistent. It didn't take, it wasn't overnight that you become sober, right? What is that? 10, 11 years now. That's a long time. I'm, who are you talking about me? You, what was you? 15? I'm eight. 18? I'm 18. Yeah. I'm yeah. coming up on 19. You're owning that shit. See what I'm saying? <laughs> you own it. He knows. But here, yeah. And like William said, here, what it boils down to, at least this is what happened for me, right? I wanted to be happy with the guy that was looking back at me in the mirror, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the ultimate litmus test, right? Because when I was drinking and using, I told you, I would never look in the mirror. I'd always do my shaving. Not that I had, to, you know, back then I had a lot to do, but I'd brush my teeth, everything in the shower so I could just walk past the mirror, right? Cause I was disgusted with the guy I saw, you know, I was 
my second to last arrest, like on my book cover, right? I was probably 130 pounds there. I'm normally what, 195, you know what I mean? And it looked like the life had been sucked out of me. And I was just like, you know, and I always ask, I still ask myself that, you know, what are you willing to do to keep this going? Right. Anything. Right. Be, you know, doing the best I can every day. Cause I've got grandchildren now, dude. I got, not only do I have children, I have grandchildren. So I want to leave a legacy and I want to leave a positive legacy. They're watching, man. Oh, yeah, they are. I was, uh, I've been posting my podcast and my little sister, we don't talk much. She was from my mother's fourth marriage and fourth child from four different fathers. But she's, she's been watching my podcast. She's like, she called me on the phone. I've been listening to your podcast. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> no shit. Right. So like, <laughs> you'd be surprised on who's watching and who's listening to you guys, man. Like, and that's why we put this out. Like, I don't know who's listening to this. I hope whoever does listen to this, hears something from this and takes from it. Right. Like, you know, we may not get any listeners. No, I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> no, nah, we'll get some people. But the goal is to put it out there, put it out there, put the content out there, provide value to the marketplace. This is how we market ourselves, right? We get the yep. market right, but then how do we market ourselves? How do we get our message out there, right? We do that through podcasts. We do that through trainings, through accountability calls, through yep. networking, through being part of an apex group like we are, right? Yep. This is where you learn how to become the most elite version of yourself. You got to surround yourself to, with people that are where you want to be. You Absolutely. can't learn it from. You can't learn it from a book. You can't learn it from substance abuse class. Hanging around a bunch of other. You could to an extent, but only certain levels of that, right? Like you're not going to learn about business and substance abuse class. I know because I've been in them. Okay, they're right. very, they're very. It's highly unlikely to find somebody as good as Max. Like a good counselor, right? So when you find somebody or a good mentor or somebody that you can lean on and call, use them. Because it's hard to find people that you can call and trust and, and, to, and to lean on with your personal problems or your personal issues, whatever you want to call them, right? Have somebody you can lean on. But, uh, you know, you got to get in, got to get in the rooms. Got to get in the rooms with people to learn. That's the best thing I've ever done for myself. Uh, even through all those times of addiction and, and you know, uh, the fucking police raided my house three times. Like, I mean, this guy's like, I can easily just been sitting in jail right now. Right. Got out and all those people I used to hang around with, they're all dead. They're all overdosed. Right. There's and, a lot of my friends like that. Yeah, and I've seen that happen. You know, like the overdose epidemic. They're all dead. Oh, COVID has nothing on the overdose That's what epidemic. I was saying. They were talking about COVID deaths. Talk about the opiate addiction deaths. Like how many of those we have in a year? Nobody's addressing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. but they want to talk about COVID. Like, but yeah. Well, they, they just had a statistic came out that people die. More people are dying of overdoses between the age of 18 and 25, maybe a little older than COVID, DUI, drunk driving accidents, whatever, suicide combined. Right. Because you got these bad people out pressing pills and they're not like going, oh, we need a little bit of this here. They just. No, the drug you know I mean? was potent because if somebody dies, they get to, you know, it, it, it's like, oh, they got the good shit, you know. I, I was just gonna you said it perfect that's how us addicts think right when we're in that shit wow that person died that must have been really good i gotta try that yeah no it's scary you know if anybody's yeah. listening i wouldn't fuck with anything right now you get one hit of that fentanyl it's a wrap yeah it's a wrap getting some bullshit coke with some bullshit fucking cut on it all right 
We're talking about like a little sniffy sniff. You're done. Like <laughs> it's not I, yeah. like I lost, exactly. like I have like three people that I know in the last 18 months to two years that have died from just a random, not knowing what they got shit, <laughs> thinking they got some other shit and it ended up being fentanyl, you know? Crazy. You know, that's something I heard that's very interesting today too, is I didn't, I don't know when I heard it, but I was listening to something. I don't think it was a podcast or something, but someone was saying, you know, the cartels are watering their weed, right? With water that's laced with fentanyl Mm. to make the weed more, to make it more potent. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, wow. It's getting crazy out there. Yeah, dude. Like people were eating fucking triple C's back in the day. Like when I was a kid, like nobody fucks with that shit anymore. It's like, it's that easy to get parts of. You remember that shit back in the day? Like, oh, oh, yeah. Take a little bit of medication <laughs> and shit when we were in high school. Just stupid shit, right? Like, don't be, you don't have to be that. Like, I'm a testament to that. Like, I came from bullshit. And I still, to this day, things come into your life that will try to bring you back into that bullshit. It's constant, right? But the more you surround yourself with positive people, the strong network, you get less of that shit. Right. Absolutely. You, like they say in your, our group, right? Alignment over assignment. It's who yeah, you align yourself with. Cut out that negative. The faster you become a person that can cut the negative out and make that big decision to say, you know what? You got to go. No more. Instead of yeah. saying, instead of saying comfortable and saying, you know what? I've known this guy for 10 years. We're best buddies. Da, da. No, it's not anymore. It's not, it's not like that. Okay. You need, but, to, you need to cut it. I've cut family members faster than I've cut people. Like, so it's like, you know, yeah, absolutely. I can cut a single person quicker than that. It's nothing. Like you say, when you do, you bad. Like you hang up the phone, you stop helping people. I'm I'm all about helping people, but I'm not gonna put my hand out. You know, if, if you don't meet me in the middle, you know. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's exactly it, right? If someone's putting their hand out, yeah, I'll meet them. But if they expect me to do the work, then it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Sorry. I don't know how many years I went. Like this is like years ago. Like just trying to help, like other people like drug people drug addicts and shit like and just get so frustrated it's like why won't why won't they change it's like i know like i change why won't they change it's like because it's their choice they have to make that decision right yeah you could sh- yeah. into the water but doesn't mean they're gonna drink the shit right that's true right and that's where we i could be talk, we could be somebody could be listening right now and maybe they hear this shit and maybe two years from now maybe they decide to not drink anymore right <laughs> Exactly. We plant the seed, right? But like we're two examples of people who who wanted to change and made the change and now we're doing good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's once all- you seeing the wins, you're like now, like all throughout those years, I, I had little wins and like, I just always knew like this wasn't it, but you're figuring it out. But at the same time, you're still a product of your environment. So you're trying to figure out how to get out of the fucking frying pan. Like you're saying, right? Yeah. I don't know how you did it. I, trying to like, I was going to go to the military too. I almost went to the Navy right before like 2000 was right right when they started going to iraq in 2011 or whatever it was around there and i didn't go but yo you went and then ended up right back in the same place on your deployment like yo that's crazy (laughs) that's your one (laughs) but i didn't ever get but it was a blessing in disguise you know I, i ended up working in a call center i found out that i'm really good at customer service and sales trying different stuff but even throughout all that time, I was still addicted to drugs, still doing stupid shit, but I was still trying to figure it out. Right. And, uh, and I figured out people actually do like me. They want to do business with me. They, they're always trying to call me back. How can I go legit with this shit? 
you're selling drugs. Everybody's buying my shit. Everybody's all happy, giddy, no issues there. It's like, how can I go legit with this shit? How can I build a business? And it was one of the hardest things to do to let go of that easy money, right? Even even to this day, it's so easy. Like he's like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like, easiest so, money you ever make, but it comes with a big price. Yeah, it comes with sleeping with one eye open. You know, yeah. you're never gonna get anywhere in life doing that shit. It's quick money, easy money. But when I started building my own, man, when you start winning and you start having your own stuff and you and you're living and it's stuff that you built from nothing, considering where I came from. It's a powerful, yeah. it's a powerful motivator to keep that mindset strong and to continue to continue to reinforce it and continue to do the things to, to not ever go back. Absolutely. I'll never go back. Yeah, that keeps never. me going. That exact mindset keeps me going. Like just if keep I building. Feel any inclination I'm falling back, I'm right back in it. Right. And that doesn't ever happen much. But even if I see it like, oh shit, run from that. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> right. run the other way. See ya. But, you know, I don't see a lot of that most of the time. It's more so it's just like it's more of an internal thing. Right. Because like you say, like, oh, they say once an addict, all an addict in, in essence, but not always like we always like right. we're always conscious of the fact that, yes, we did have a previous addiction to things. Right. So we right. have a right. mindset to constantly be vigilant of the triggers, exactly. things that make us want to drink. For me, it was a lot of more of like internal shit, family shit, just like things from my past, right? Like that I had to deal with. Right. Uh, playing that victim card shit that you were talking about in the beginning, you know, playing the boohoo fucking game. Nobody cares. Like, yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares about the boohoo shit. Like, right. no one's going to come save you. You may get some people to, no, no one's going to come fucking save you. Not the way in which you need to be saved. Only you can do that. Right. Right. So, um, it's all great, great stuff. Getting good, getting good here. I think uh, we talk a lot about a lot of a lot about this. I think I wanted to really talk about substance abuse and, and different things on this podcast today because we talk a lot about business and how to grow in business, but nobody really talks about the personal side of their life, like the things that right. affect their business, the things that affect their lives, right? Like, yeah, we we put in 40, 60, 80 hours a week, but are we truly happy or are we hitting the bottle every day, right? Like. Right. Yeah, the bank account's full. Our family's got everything they need, but are we truly, are we truly the most elite version of ourselves? Are we still dealing with the vices of of yesterday? Right. So it's a constant, it's a constant uh, mindset battle, right? To absolutely to not only that. So if you're dealing with that, but you also have outside shit, you have the the you know the economy, all this, the news, all this bullshit that easily <laughs> people that are listening to can get caught up with, right? Right. Absolutely. For the listeners, how do you how do you tell your people to cut out the noise without just saying, "Hey, cut out the noise"? Yeah, it's easier said than done. How do you execute on that, right? How do I teach them that? Well, one, I you know I try to tell them just shut down the news, right? Mm-hmm. Right, shut down the news because it's all negative anyway. Like I haven't seen anything positive on the news for quite a while, so I stopped watching the news like probably two years ago when I joined Apex. You know what I mean? And I said, you got to fill your brain with positive stuff. And you've heard this. So I, I tell them, listen to podcasts like personal development. Like I say, the Andy Purcellas of the world, the Ryan Stumans of the world, the uh, Ed Milet, right? Which you just saw, right? I believe in one more, you know, just one more. That's how I lived my early recovery, right? Like, okay, I may not drink tomorrow, but I'm not going to, well, I may not drink today. 
but I'm surely going to give it one more day. Right. And that's how my little brother and I did it when we first got sober together. I call him up and I'd say, Hey, Kenny, did you get high today? He goes, Hey bro, not today, but tomorrow. Right. And then I'd go, okay, tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come, we'd go, Hey Max, did you get high today? I go, no, let's try it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and that was a game we played to keep each other sober. Right. And, but I believe, right because I've surrounded myself with guys like yourself, the group that we hang out with, the group that we're part of, that I, I try not to load my brain with negative. I can already go there without it, if you know what I mean. You know what I you You've said yeah, that. You said it. It's all about feeding your, feeding your feed with positive shit, whether it's reading, consuming right. content, your post on your wall. When you wake up in the morning and you're looking at your post – and the first fucking six posts are negativity from people that you really don't give a fuck about. Get rid of them. Cut them out. Get people that are yep. posting positive shit. Winning. And I'm not saying life is all about winning. It's okay to have, like, vulnerability posts and things that show, like, struggle. But the point right. what I'm getting at is what you mostly consume is what you're going to get. And it starts with the mind. So if you're dealing with negativity and bullshit and, you know, you're, you're constantly just struggling – Look and see what you're consuming. What are you, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Where are you spending your time and your effort, your, your, your mental capacity, right? Where is it? Are you scrolling on your phone uh, four hours a day? Are you reading books? Or are you fucking hanging out with people getting high and fucking playing video games and just doing stupid shit, right? Like, right. And even be, be aware of the things you're telling yourself. Yeah. Uh, right? Because that's what mindset's about, right? Switching our mind. Well, what, what is the chatter I'm having in my brain? Is it positive or is it negative? Right. But like William said it perfectly, if you if your feed, say on your Facebook posts are nothing but positive, you know, positive posts, then, yeah, that's what you want to do. But you also want to fill your brain with like keep learning as that's what I say. Right. Like read books that are going to help you grow as a human being. That's an easiest way to shut out that negative chatter in your brain is when you're trying to learn as a human being that to be better every day. It's hard to be negative. You know what I mean? You do it. I do progress it. Too. A lot of people, you know, they don't never look at their journey until like years later. They're like, look back and I'm like, wow, did a lot of shit. It's like, no, but like, focus on the wins early. Like keep track your progress. So you can start to see the slow progression and you start to see this, the upward momentum is what I call it. Right. As long as you Absolutely. got the projectile going, you're good. But if you're doing this shit, you know, it's, you want to kind of level that, that, you know, that, that chart out right in essence uh, absolutely on the small wins the little small habits to slowly get you progressing you're saying okay that worked track it that worked track it oh that didn't work get rid of that shit don't do that again but you got to track the small right. things not just the big the big goals so you got your big goals with your big habits and you got your small targets that'll lead you to the big stuff right absolutely small habits Right. And when, like Will said, when you're tracking those small wins every day, it's hard to be like, well, I'm not getting anywhere. Well, you just say you had a week full of wins. Like, how can you not be positive? Yeah. Right. Small yeah. or not. Yeah. Right? It yeah. Be fucking massive. It can be small. Like I booked fucking 10 appointments this week. Wow. That's awesome. Or at the end of the month, I, oh, I had, I set a goal for four sales this month and I got it. Awesome. Win. Even though yeah. I had a loss this month. Oh shit. I still hit my target. Like you got to take the wins with the losses. You can't just focus on the the losses. Right. I said, the only thing that's going to help you through those losses is what you learn because of them. And then, you know, you move forward, but yeah, William's exactly right. It's about focusing on the little and big wins. That way you're stacking them. 
right? Yep. Like, cause that's where I was getting stuck like last year. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, like winning big going with. Yeah. Cause I was always wanting to win big. Right. Yeah. So I started like every day I did a podcast or every day I, or every week when I would release a new podcast, I would go win check. Right. So tomorrow I'm going to release episode 62. Right. And there was a point where I was such a procrastinator, right. My coach and mentor, he goes, Hey Max, how's it going? I go, well, you know, I'm trying to edit. And the, this guy never really cussed that much, but he was like, fucking Max, just, just do it. Right. Cause perfect doesn't mean done. And it clicked. And here I am almost two years later, 62 episodes in I'm here with Will on his podcast. And to me, this is a witness. These are the wins I, I talk about every day with like my kids. Like, what'd you do today, dad? Hey, I was on a podcast today. You know, I recorded my podcast. Uh, I got my work done. Right. Like you have to give yourself a pat on the back yeah. often. Yeah. Right. Cause we are our own work. I'll tell the you know, my belief is we are our own worst enemies. I think it's wired that way sometimes, but we can change that. Right. And then we, we don't have to be our own worst. Because it's easy for you to have a really, really good days. And then it's easy to have a bad day and they get caught up in the noise, get caught up in the news and like, Oh, I guess it's like everybody else. Oh, I guess the economy's bad. I guess it's shit. I guess we'll just stop. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Might uh, well just no. quit. It's like stop, yeah, yeah. get back to the self-development, get back to your people, your network, the people that enforce you and make you strong. Absolutely. And then you're right back on track again. You see how you yeah. see these little small things help you Yep. to where you need in the mind. This is a small habit. Zach posted about that, I think. And this fucking kid is young as hell. And he's, it's because he's hanging around the fucking people. It's it's rubbing off on him. And now he's posting about things. Right. That, he says it's a small incremental habit. It's just little things that you do every day that make you the most elite version. It's not the big win at the end that everybody sees it's a little small habits that they did every day waking up at four in the morning consistently working out consistently doing this at a specific time of the day right always having routines and habits nope. that ultimately get you to that big picture right Man. absolutely yep absolutely and we have to give ourselves credit for doing the work you know what i mean nobody else is doing it for us so might as well not you know you might as well give yourself a pat in the back so you can keep going yeah most of the time nobody's going to recognize the hard work unfortunately it sucks yeah. You know, I wish sometimes I was recognized more than others. But at the end of the day, sometimes I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to see my people win, right? Like when I see people hit yeah. like, I'm like, damn, I know my market needed that. But nobody knows me. It's like, fuck. Right. Enjoy your moment, though, right? Like, I'm glad he won, right? I'm glad that they're getting that. I think it, it's a universe thing, too. Like when you go out and help people, even though you're not recognized for it, like front facing, it circles back to you. It comes back full force. Um. And it's, uh, it's yeah. a machine. It's part of building that machine. When you're doing these things on a constant day to day basis, your pipeline's always full, your mindset's always strong, and your bank account's looking nice. And my opinion, I don't know, but <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I see it. But, but anyway, but it's true though. Yeah. For just give a couple, like, we're going to wrap this up here. You've been awesome, Bennett, but give like three little tips or a couple little takeaways for people that, are, you know, are struggling with getting that mind right, right? Like, what are a couple things you can give them before we head out of here? All right. So I'm going to tell you what I do every day and I've been doing for 18 years, right? Start a gratitude journal. It's kind of like what we do with the G code, but I started this before I even met Ryan. Right. So what I do is I write what, before I wake up and go pee, drink my coffee, I write three things I'm grateful for. And then at night, before I lay my head on the pillow, I do three new things I'm grateful for. Right. And then I do it the next day and the whole day 
after is different from the day before. And I just continue to do that. Right. Cause they say um, anger and depression and all that is hard to occupy the brain when you're stuffing it with positivity and you no better way than starting a gratitude list. Right. Second thing I'll give you is always work on your mind. Um, so I like to say mind, body, and spirit, right? So that's for my mind, body, exercise, at least once a day, right? We hear it. We know, right? Do something for your body, right? Not only exercise, but put good food in your body, right? So you you have the fuel for those days, like William was talking about, when you're working 16, 18 hour days, as you know, you got to get something done, right? And then spirit, whatever that looks like to you, whether it's going to church, whether it's uh, praying or meditating or, you know, doing yoga, do something that's going to fill your spirit, right? Because William said it earlier and it keeps ringing. Like there's a lot of us out there that were struggling, right? Where we had this, what we call the hole right between our body, right? The size of the Grand Canyon and no amount of drugs, sex and rock and roll or whatever you want to call it, build it up, right? Until I started working on my mind, my body and my spirit right? Do something for you so that you can be the best for your family, for your friends, for your business. For yourself and for everybody. And for for yourself, especially for yourself, right? Do it for yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Yep. You can't love others until you love yourself first, right? You got to be a little selfish in your own right, like getting what you want first. And people can call me selfish all you want. I don't give a fuck, but you got to be selfish, bro. Like you've got to be. You got to go out and get what you want first, and then you have the ability to help others. But you got to get yours. Yeah, because that whole saying is you can't pour from an empty cup, yeah, right? So exactly. if your cup's full, then you can do the same for others. And how can you help others with when you haven't really experienced it for yourself first? So like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, when you snake oil me, like, come on, like, <laughs> right? You do a lot of shit, you know. So you know, I see the bullshit coming from a mile away, right? Like. It's what I call the right. beat meter, right? Like, you know, and as you guys get older, you, you'll start to see that, you know, as you start to surround yourself with winners and people that are wanting to become the most elite version, you start to see BS two seconds away. Like, you're like, oh, I'm good with that. Like, you know, that's it, guys. That's all it's about. Surround yourself with the right amount of people, building up that mindset, creating habits, creating those three steps that he uses every day. And we're going to have these in our description. So if you guys, ever need anything you can reach out to either of us we'll be glad to help anybody here um, absolutely we, we want to you know re, you know give our hand out to any listeners that are listening right now reach out to max reach out to myself if you're going through anything you need help accountability we're here to help you know it's it's i had to do a lot of that stuff alone but it doesn't mean you got it to right like seriously so um let us help you become the most elite version of yourself if we don't know it, we damn sure know somebody that can help you for sure. Uh, that's so, true. <laughs> and, uh, and we're, we're, we're here to help. That's all we can do. That's why we create this podcast. They don't pay me to do this. We do this for you guys. This podcast is for you guys. We wanted to give back. This is people been telling me I have a great radio voice for years. And when I get to call us and they're like, Oh, you know, you have a great voice. You should do radio. Like, you know, so I'm finally, I did a podcast, but I really wanted to do it around the mindset because even during like, covid like you know everybody's going through covid that was when mindset was most important i think like seeing everybody man it was crazy just seeing how everybody's minds were shifting based on what everybody was telling them to do and i'm thinking shit stay stay the course and the people that stayed the course and kept their mind right now look now we're looking back on all that shit right like 
I told y'all. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know oh. what you're talking about. Yeah, so, just stay the course. Stay the course. And we're coming up on another what they call bullshit recession if you're listening to the news, right? Like, even I don't watch the news, but you're still, you're still going to get some of it hitting your feeds, right? It's just the nature of the beast. It's, yeah, you can't help it's, it. It's exactly. going to happen, right? But don't get caught up in it. What I say, dominate your own market. All I know is my market shit, my marketplace is looking good right now. I don't know what anybody else is looking like, right? But I know my marketplace is good because I'm dominating my marketplace. That's all that matters, right? If you dominate your marketplace, you become the most elite version of yourself and you reach your fullest potential, there's no, there's nothing else matters. It will come, I promise you. You live in America, the land of the free. There's so much opportunity here. You just got to go out and grab it. And honestly, in times like COVID and recession, when everybody's, you know, basically batting down the hatches, well, that's when the fuck we bubble down. That's when winners like us push through. And it actually becomes a little easier because less people are working, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, right. True. Uh, think about it like that. You know what I'm saying? Like going forward, it's easy to really get caught up in the, in the normal way of thinking. I challenge right. the listeners to, to abandon any old way of thinking and completely just start fresh that was one thing I had to do is say, you know what? Like Grant Cardone was my, one of my first mentors. I had to say like the shit he was saying was off the wall, but it, it wasn't off the wall. It was like, it was hitting home. It was like, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Holy shit. You know what? What I'm doing ain't working. Let's just try something completely different. And, right. uh, and that's what happened. You got to call what I call, shake it up, shake it up, yep. burn the, burn the bridges and move forward. Burn the, burn the ships. Right. Yeah. Think outside the box for once. You know what I mean? And uh, watch yourself, bro. It's it's amazing when you uh, when you uh, f- flip the switch. Absolutely. And it, I wouldn't uh, trade this for the world. You know what I mean? It's a it's a wonderful ride. Crazy at times, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love it. I love it. Well, Max, thank you so much for coming on Ma- Mindset Masters and Marketing. It's been another action packed episode. Hope you guys found this episode incredibly helpful. I hope it reached somebody out there today. And uh, if you guys, like I said, if you need anything, just reach out. Tune in next week. We have another awesome guest coming on, and it's going to be another action-packed episode. But thank you, Max, so much for coming on once again. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, and, uh, thank you, you for having me, Will. Appreciate you. We Appreciate are out. you, brother. That's a wrap. See you guys. See you, Max.